Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm continuing my chat on the anti-inflammatory diet and looking at what the science says about food and its ability to fight chronic inflammation. Welcome back to the Daily Dollar podcast team. I hope you're enjoying this download on inflammation. I certainly am. And today's episode and tomorrow's episode are my favorite because this is where I'm going to actually talk about practically applying what we're learning. The first three episodes, they were good. It's really important to understand the why behind the what. I 100% think that that's important, but sometimes that knowledge can be not really helpful when it comes to implementation. It's actually what we call decorative knowledge. So it just is like, okay, just tells us things about something. We want to now look at what's known as procedural knowledge. So how do we put what we're learning into practice? Like what does this mean that we actually eat every day? And I've got a bunch of different foods that I want to go over and talk about those foods. And then I want to practically talk about how you might want to include those foods in your diet, you know, some sample recipes and, um, just meal ideas and example days and stuff like that. So there's lots of practical ideas to be had, so stay tuned. But what I also want to talk about just before we get started is if we're going to build an anti-inflammatory diet for ourselves, then we want to think through what the goal is of this diet. I've talked about this on the show many times before, is that nutrition information needs a context. So what are we trying to achieve, right? And of course, I'm going to go through some key principles for the anti-inflammatory diet, but there is a goal in mind that we're trying to achieve. And of course, then we would individualize that to people um, in terms of how much to eat and, and when to eat based on their energy needs and their routine and food preferences, right? But what I'm going to talk about is just more overarching you know, generalized principles and the goal of an anti-inflammatory diet. So there are sort of four key things for a good anti-inflammatory diet. Also reminding you that there is no agreed upon definition in the scientific literature of an anti-inflammatory diet. And in fact, most of the research conducted on anti-inflammatory diets are based on two other diets that are really well studied, which is the Mediterranean diet and the Okinawan diet. And so, yeah, a lot of the studies use sort of slightly different dietary principles as well. But if I was going to build an anti-inflammatory diet for a client based on the information that I've shared with you about chronic inflammation and what the science says about how it's caused and how food can affect it, is that there'd be sort of four key things I'm wanting the diet to achieve. The first one is weight loss if it's required. So if the person is carrying more body fat than is ideal for them, then certainly calorie restriction to help them lose weight to the creation of an energy deficit would be a key goal of mine in in building that diet. So 
The thing is, is that there's really interesting research around body fat levels and its effect on things like insulin resistance and inflammation and that the BMI is actually not a always a great useful tool to use on an individual. And in fact, sometimes for an individual, it's just a general increase in body fat above what they normally or regularly are. They can still be within the healthy weight range according to the BMI, but because they've increased in body fat, that they could be actually suffering from chronic inflammation and insulin resistance purely because that increase in fat mass has one, increased the number of body fat cells above what it normally is and potentially the amount of fat within those cells and they could be, you know, under stress and of course causing inflammation from that perspective, which is super, super interesting. And it does explain why we can see people who apparently appear to look like they're a healthy weight, like we're just looking at them from the outside and they have type 2 diabetes or heart disease and things like that. So certainly we should never ever judge a book by its cover. So if weight loss is required for an individual and we could see a benefit from reducing body fat stores, then certainly goal number one of the anti-inflammatory diet would be some kind of calorie restriction to create the energy deficit so that person could lose weight. Now, that calorie restriction doesn't actually need to be severe. And I would also argue that the more severe the calorie restriction is, the harder the diet is to adhere to. And if you can't adhere to the diet, then what's the point of it? So we would be looking at creating a moderate energy deficit that is the easiest for the person to stick to and is able to also ensure that their diet is still nutritionally adequate because I also talked about the importance of that as well. If no weight loss is required for the individual, but they're still wanting to maximize the anti-inflammatory benefits of their diet is that they need to make sure that they're eating for weight maintenance and that they're not overeating and overconsuming excess calories. So just being mindful of your general energy needs and what that might look like in terms of food day to day, um, is really important. But if you're successfully maintaining your weight and it's remaining reasonably stable, then that's a pretty good indication that you're eating according to your energy needs. A great way to check that would be with a body composition scan. Here in Canberra, we use a machine called an InBody 570, which can reasonably precisely measure your muscle mass, your water levels, your fat mass, etc. And so if your fat mass is staying stable over time, your weight might be changing with fluid and muscle levels, but your fat mass is staying stable, then you're, you're in energy balance. So that's goal number one is um, a calorie, calorie restriction for weight loss if required or just general energy balance for weight maintenance. The second goal of your anti-inflammatory diet should be nutrient density. And in particular, we're wanting to maximize your intake of polyphenols and omega-3 fatty acids. So of course, with polyphenols, we're looking at a high intake of fruit and vegetables. And in fact, the study that I was looking at suggested that fruit and vegetables be two thirds of the total food volume of your whole diet. So We actually teach here as part of our online program at the Healthy Eating Hub to build a diet that's around 75%, so three quarters 
plant-based with the majority of that being non-starchy vegetables. And we actually teach you how to build a plant-based diet without having to cut out animal products if you choose to eat them. So I'd highly recommend signing up to the Healthy Eating Hub and doing the first two modules, which will take you about 12 weeks to complete the whole foods module and then building a balanced plate module. They will teach you the key principles to ensure that you're getting around again, that two thirds volume or three quarters plants into your diet. So definitely check that out. The link to that is in the show notes, but definitely a high intake of fruit and vegetables is going to mean you're getting plenty of fiber, vitamins, minerals, but these polyphenols that have been shown to reduce inflammation. Also really important with your fruit and vegetable intake is that you're getting high variety of color and type as well. Then with omega-3s, you're looking at an intake of fish and also like nuts and seeds, etc. So if you're not a big fish eater, you can take a fish oil supplement. It's a great way of ensuring that you get that into your diet. Just check labels to see what you're actually getting. Make sure it actually is fish oil and, and chat to your chemist around what the best brands are. Sometimes they repeat on you and can be a bit fishy. So experiment with some different supplements until you find the one that you like, but definitely getting sort of wild, sustainably sourced fish and seafood products is a really great option to get your omega-3 in. So they're the key nutrients. The third goal of your anti-inflammatory diet is to stabilize your blood sugar levels. So we talked about these like chronic hyperglycemia, which is high blood sugar levels constantly, regularly, all the time for a long period of time, right? That's what we call chronic hyperglycemia. And so essentially what we're doing is we want to avoid these high peaks in blood sugar levels that occur when we have a really big load of refined um, carbohydrate. And so essentially that is learning to include more whole grains and legumes into our diet. So whole grains being rolled oats, barley, rye, etc., whole wheat, wild rice, different things like that, buckwheat, etc., and and learning to include those foods regularly in our diet. These are not common in our diet. We mostly eat in Australia uh, wheat, corn, rice and oats are sort of the four grain staples. But we often, when we eat these products, are eating quite a refined product. So a whole grain is a product that still has the three parts of the grain included. So it's got the bran, the germ and the endosperm as opposed to just the white part of the grain when we're eating a white product. And so when we include these kinds of carbohydrate rich foods, because whole grains have been shown to be anti-inflammatory as well as um, your legumes, so your beans, lentils and chickpeas, is that we get a rise in blood sugar levels after a meal. Like I said, that's totally normal, but it's much more moderated and a much gentler curve and rise. We don't need so much insulin release to deal with that and blood sugar levels return to normal. So we're sort of avoiding these massive peaks and troughs in our blood levels and blood sugar levels and just stabilizing them out a little bit more. And that comes from including one of these, you know, whole grains or these legumes at most of our meals and snacks throughout the day. So it's certainly not about avoiding carbohydrate rich foods. It's about the type. 
And of course, this advice is not going to be new to you. Like we've talked heaps over the the many, many episodes of the show around carbohydrates and it's actually not about the carbs themselves. It's about the type of food that we're including. And so certainly if you're looking at building an anti-inflammatory diet, you cannot and do not need to cut out carbohydrates. You're more looking at just ensuring you're getting these really lovely whole food sources in. Finally, the fourth goal of your anti-inflammatory diet is plants first. So protein is a really important part of our diet. You know, our whole body is made out of protein. We want to eat protein regularly. It's a great idea to evenly distribute your protein across the day and your meals and snacks. It's really important for weight management, helping you feel full and satisfied. It's really important. The best sources of protein are our animal sources, but it can be a great idea to just see if you can get a bit more plant-based protein into your diet. So one of the best plant-based sources of protein is soy. So edamame, tempeh, tofu are great to include and have been shown to have anti-inflammatory effects and fine to be included regularly as part of your diet. Also, if you do choose to eat meat, you're wanting to aim for really natural meat products and cuts of meat as opposed to processed meats um, as being the best choices. I did find some talk around organically grown and fed like different types of feeding, but the the paper didn't really cite many good articles around it. And I was like, oh, I don't really have time to research that more. But potentially, you know, the way that the cattle are raised and grown affects, you know, the type of fats that are in their their muscles. And, and so subsequently the, the fat makeup of the meat that we're eating is sort of the key part that we're looking at when we're looking at either the food being pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. So look, the, the research doesn't say that you need to cut out meat. It just talks a lot about making plants the star of the show. So see see meat as a small accessory that you can add on to your plant-based meal as opposed to building your meal around meat. Um, and of course, we want to be including seafood in there um, and of course, some poultry as well. Lastly, I want to just talk about dairy. Dairy frequently cops <laughs> a bad rap around inflammation, but I've actually linked to a study. It's in the show notes around dairy and that dairy is actually anti-inflammatory, particularly fermented dairy products. So um, kefir and yogurt and, and can absolutely be included as part of your anti-inflammatory diet. So don't feel like you have to stop having milk or yogurt or cheese. Those things are fine to include as part of your anti-inflammatory diet. Remember the four goals, right? And dairy can easily fit within those four goals. It's your process, like ultra processed dairy, like chocolate and ice cream and, and cream. This is where we're going to be getting, you know, high amounts of energy, high amounts of fat or, you know, sugars, in the foods that, and, and very little nutrients. So, but certainly, you know, whole food, dairy products, milk, yogurt in particular are absolutely fine to include as part of your anti-inflammatory diet. Well, that's it for today's episode. Join me tomorrow for the final installment of building an anti-inflammatory diet, when we're going to go over some meal ideas some recipes and build an example day. Have a great day team. After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. 
My Healthy Eating program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods, or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode.